Hey guys, now before we dive into today's show, I wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up. For the first two to five minutes of today's recording, the audio quality is a little bit sketchy. Um, But if you can get through that, I know the show is jam-packed full of incredible information all to do with crowdfunding. So I hope you enjoy today's show and leave some comments below. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, guys, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate. In Los Angeles, I'm Reid Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I want to welcome you to part one of a two-part series all to do with understanding the world of crowdfunding. Now, crowdfunding is a bit of a buzzword, and I'm constantly asked by people around the world and my my international clients, how does it work? So this mini-series answer all your questions and demystify the world of crowdfunding and explain how it is actually revolutionizing the way investors and borrowers use money to purchase real estate and create long-term wealth. So let's get into today's show. Today, the expert in the hot seat that will give you all the insider information and a crash course on the crowdfunding scene here in the United States is Ada Dureko. G'day, Ada Pia. Welcome to the show. Uh, By the way, just before we get started, love the name. Where does Ada Pia come from? So I'm actually Italian. I'm an Italian born in Canada, live in five countries, and relocated myself to Los Angeles about three years ago. Fantastic, fantastic. So for all you eager listeners out there, Adapir is the Chief Marketing Officer for the online crowdfunding website called Patch of Land. And the reason we have her on the show today is that Patch, which is short for Patch of Land because we know all the cool lingo here on this show, is one of the leading online crowdfunding platforms here in the United States. And as crowdfunding is the future, I really just wanted investors to understand how it works so you can get more money for your deals. And we all need to be educated on the entire process. So, you know, Adapir is the guru and will give you all the nuts and bolts of the industry. So, Adapir, before we dive into the nuts and bolts, do you want to tell the listeners something that most people might not know about you, a little bit about your background and how you got involved in the crowdfunding space? Sure, sure. I'll try to keep it short. I have, I have a very diverse background, but Basically, I was in LA doing consulting work as a brand and a marketing strategist. And I came across Passive Land when I was doing some research on ways to help my clients raise capital. And everyone was doing Kickstarter campaigns and Indiegogo campaigns, something I'm very familiar with. And, and so this real estate crowdfunding came up and equity crowdfunding in general came up. And I thought, wow, I thought this is the future. And it was my job at this time, and it's something I do innately. I have a very good knack for trends. In fact, I was an intellectual property hunter for certain large brands. Um, and so I know what's going to be big, and I just had a feeling that this made a lot of sense. And so I actually went to the very first real estate crowdfunding conference in San Diego, and it was memorable because it was so small. <laughs> I was, you know, massive convention center and this this big hall and it was dark and it was 
so small. I was used to brand licensing trade shows in Vegas and lights and colors and so much movement. And there was, you know, there might have been like, I don't know, 50 people, five or six tables. And I thought, where am I? But I met, I met several different platforms that day that, that were there. And I just, I was just putting so many things together. And I thought, you know, I think I can help someone. And I, I met one of the founders there and we started talking and they, there were three founders at the time. Um, and I, and I met one of them and, the, you know, what's funny is, you know, can you help us with some PR? And I said, I mean, yes and no, no, because you don't have a brand. You <laughs> have a great idea and, and you've got a platform, you know, the, one of the co-founders is a CTO and, and, uh, so he built it. And I said, but you need a brand first. You need a message and you need to get out there. And I said, so PR will come much later. And in fact, I didn't hire a PR company for over a year. Wow. Uh, I did it all myself in the beginning. So I've really been honored really to not only bring the company to where it's at today, but really defining an industry. I've enjoyed marketing the industry because that comes first right. rather than talking about the company. It's like, what's the opportunity here? What is the vision? And I just thought that that was an incredible opportunity. So I jumped in. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's a really incredible background. And just sort of, I guess you stumbled into it, so to speak, having to meet the CEO and, and like any startup company, they're not understanding the true meaning of what marketing means. And you didn't even have a marketing strategy. You didn't even have logos. <laughs> yeah, very, exactly. Very, very good stuff. So I just really wanted to take a step back. I love to always start with all my guests on the show and, and you know, every topic we discuss, we go back to the beginning. And so crowdfunding is no different. So let's take a step back. And do you really want to just explain in layman's terms how crowdfunding works, how your platform works, and where, where you know, where's it going to in the future? Sure. So um, we'll start with, I mean, I guess real estate crowdfunding. I assume that from the crowdfunding perspective, we know that there is donations and reward-based crowdfunding. So, you know, donating something and then rewards would be Kickstarter, Indiegogo, where you get, you know, a signed book or a t-shirt or, or various other perks, not a monetary return. So um, the equity crowdfunding, um, and I'm sure we'll get into later because it, it, it's actually more possible today than ever before, thanks to Title III, but that equity crowdfunding was, I can raise capital where I can ask somebody for money to invest into my business and I'm giving them shares. So that, that was the equity crowdfunding for really was meant to um, uh, create jobs and grow businesses and real estate sort of came in and just ran with it. I mean, real estate came into crowdfunding and, and absolutely, absolutely took off. And I'm not sure. I mean, I know it started with the idea of uh, people pooling equity to buy a property and then maybe like one person lives in it and, you know, you can collect money from investors. So perfect example, me, when I first heard about it, I thought, you know, I live in Venice Beach and I want to live in one of Venice Beach homes on the canal. So I can't afford a $4 million home, but I know it's a great investment. What if I could find, and mind you, I didn't know anything about real estate. What if I could find people that would invest in it and I can just live here 
Right. And we all pay the mortgage and, and whatever. And then we all get an upside later. So that's what I thought it was right. when I first, when I first heard about it. And that, that model really hasn't taken off. It doesn't work. I mean, I didn't know about, you know, QM mortgages and RESPA and all this legislation. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why that doesn't work. But people with a real estate background were coming in and saying, we can syndicate, we can raise capital online for our equity, large projects usually. You know, commercial was the holy grail, big commercial syndication, big multifamily syndication. And and that's one thing. And we're still crowdfunding because 95% of our capital has come from individual accredited investors. And we're very proud of that. And what we do is we lend. So we, we lend on first position, senior debt, mostly about 75% of our portfolio is um, residential. So there's a lot of revitalization that needs to happen here in America. There's a lot of rehabbing, um, buying properties under value, bringing them up to market value, making a profit, you know, selling it, flipping it, or refinancing it into a rental. So that's really been our bread and butter. And we also do um, commercial bridge lending now. And we've uh, we've done a good chunk of business in the multifamily space as well. Fantastic. So you've just gone through a ton of information that guys, uh, you know, all my listeners will be taking on board. But if we just, you know, I know the crowdfunding space came around with, you know, the, the Jobs Act. And I know mm-hmm. recently Obama changed some of the Jobs Act to include what's called Title Three. So how mm-hmm. can you explain a little bit about how that has now really started to, if the industry if the industry wasn't already a turbocharge, it's now gone to even more of a turbocharge because it's yeah. so much easier to raise capital from raising it from random people, so to speak, because we're now in that age of digital, you know, we can, can connect through our phones, we can grab an Uber and I can connect with an Uber driver yeah. instantly. It's sort of this whole age of technology. And, and can you just explain a little bit how the Title Three plays into that? Absolutely. So the, the title, title three really means that a, a person, a business can raise up to a million dollars a year. Uh, and the significance of this isn't the amount of money because especially in, in terms of real estate, that's not very much, right? But if you're starting a small business, that, that could be an, a massive amount of help. But um, the reason it's so significant is that up until now, that million dollars could only be raised by an, an, an accredited investor, uh, which means that if you wanted to raise that capital from someone, you, you couldn't just raise it from anyone. You, you had to go find these accredited investors. And I know it's different in every country, but here in America, it, it's that you are making $200,000 a year. Um, or $300,000 a year if you're married and you would have had, you know, two years prior and this year as well. And, or you have a million dollars of net worth excluding your primary residence, but including its mortgage, right. which is uh, a bit silly, but those are, those are the rules. <laughs> um, and so what that actually means is that there's, that's only 8% of the population. Right. And that's not a lot. That's not a lot of people. And so your pool is small, and that's where crowdfunding was sort of – it was never really crowdfunding. It wasn't really the crowd at all. It was it was a richer crowd, still still a good chunk of people. But Title Three allows you to raise capital from anyone, no matter their income level, 
Um, now, there are some limitations in terms of you can only invest up to 10% of your, your income or net worth. So they don't let you, you know, bet the firm on a startup raising capital. But the significance of it is that you could raise $50 from thousands of people and the risk to them is very low. And if you're the next Facebook, you, someone, okay, let me put it this way. Oculus Rift. Yep. That everyone knows about that started on Kickstarter. Right. And imagine if you bought bought one and mm-hmm. then, you know, you were one of the people who made it happen. And then Oculus went and got sold to Facebook for $2 billion. And you have a prototype. Right. Right. You don't get a financial return. Yes. So that's where Title Three, I think it's going to be really significant for businesses, is going to be that they can raise they can raise capital like that, and so you could potentially bring people with you as you succeed and sell yourself to Facebook or or maybe or maybe Google. I mean, I know if I were an Oculus Rift early adopter, I would want you know even a couple shares. To say right. thank you, but that, that <laughs> didn't happen. <laughs> right, right, right. So just to just to recap on what we've all just you know consumed, crowdfunding is what it means that you go out to a crowd. And up until recently, till the Title Three, you could only go to a very small crowd, which were rich enough to afford it, which was accredited investors, correct? And yeah. that, but now with the Title Three, the Jobs in the Jobs Act has changed. I can go and raise money from anyone accredited and and what's called unaccredited investors, but I have to meet a certain, if I'm an unaccredited investor, I can only invest, what did you say, 10% of my income? Uh, is that right? I, yeah, I think I think it's a 10%. Uh, I think it's a 10% limit. They made some tweaks to it, but there's a safety mechanism in there where you can't, uh, you can't raise more than, uh, than a small amount of money from, from, from what you made for what you're worth so that they, they don't run the risk of, becoming, you know, bankrupt. I mean, those people will invest. I mean, it's, there's a lot. Uh, people will also spend a lot on lottery tickets, but if that's not regulated, which to me is a bit silly, but <laughs> as it stands, we now have Title Street. <laughs> right, right. So just to – I was poking around on your website doing a bit of research for this show, and, and I found a, a fact or, or a comment on your website that crowdfunding has grown like a 1,000% in the last five years. Is this all to do with the changes in the Jobs Act recently? Um, no. those. I think we're going to start to see those changes this year. Uh, they, were, they were passed finally uh, passed by the SEC because we're talking about security, sales of security, which is why it took so long for these acts to come through. And so this year, is, as I think as I'm really excited, uh, is the year where we're going to see Title also um, Title Four, which is perhaps more significant than Title Three. But I think we'll see a lot of use of Title Three this year. Right. Uh, last year was the period when it was passed uh, into legislation, and they made some tweaks. Um, and this is this is really going to be the year where, where businesses and entrepreneurs um, will start to use it. Right. Got it. Got it. So let's talk a little bit more about the real estate crowdfunding and how your your business or the business that you work for, Patch of Land, how does that work? So you, Patch of Land raises money on the debt side of of the real estate, correct? Or do you do a bit of both, equity and debt? We do only debt. Right, right. So if I'm uh, if I'm a person who wants to get involved in real estate, and typically I haven't been able to get involved in real estate, one because maybe I can't afford to get into some of the deals 
um, that are now offered on your website, I can come to you and say, hey, here is X amount of money and you pull it together and you will then go out and lend it to a developer who is actively looking to get their hands on, on cash, right? So who in that how in that situation, do, where do people sit in the terms of first position if you are on the debt side of the capital stack? So, so the way that we work is, uh, you, you described it perfectly, we operate as, as a marketplace. And so we have, you know, several thousands, uh, tens of thousands of registered investors. Um, and they receive notification when we post new loans to the website. So even though we act as a, as a marketplace, we actually underwrite our own um, real estate. So essentially, we're a lender that operates a syndication platform online. Got it. Um, so that I think that's probably the easiest way the easiest way to describe it. So we originate loans. We have people that bring us borrowers and brokers, and um, and so we'll negotiate long terms with people who need them. And they're short term. They're short term loans. It's the kind of loan that you can't get from a bank. Because the banks just, they're not fast enough to, to do it. Like we can fund a loan um, with our underwriting and due diligence in as little as five days. We've done it in four, but it's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's sometimes when, when everything, when everything lines up, when, you know, when your borrower has all the documents, has everything ready and it's pretty simple, you know, maybe it's a low loan to cost, um, low LTV yep. underwriting, especially repeat borrower. So, so we really pride ourselves on speed and service and using the technology that we've built to make that process faster. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we underwrite, we will fund ourselves patch of land with patch of land money um, to the borrower. And then we go syndicate it to all of these, all of these investors. Interesting. So you have patch of land has money itself. And they say, if I come to you and say, Hey, patch, I need $200,000. You will give me the $200,000 you know, to go and do my deal. And then you would sell that note to the investors on your yeah. platform. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. And the note, um, note is a borrower payment dependent note and it's got a peculiar structure. Um, and by peculiar, it's because um, we created the structure where we're able um, we're through a, a secure um, perfected security mechanism, basically um, to indirectly secure the asset for the investor, right. um, because passive land makes the note, um, and the investor and their interest only with a balloon payment of principal at, at the end. So an investor would get a monthly interest payment. So we collect it and then we we give it to the investor. But because passive land is is the one on title, um, our, our note structure basically, and this might this might be uh, you know maybe getting too in depth, but basically it's in a an external special purpose entity where other that where the investor where the note so that if you're an investor and you're buying into the note, you're not on title, but you are in an LLC that holds the note and Patrick is a managing member. And we have uh, we have mechanisms in place where because it's bankruptcy remote, if for any reason patch of land, the operating company goes away or, or goes under, that LLC that holds the note remains, and an indenture trustee can step in. Right, right, got it, got it. Okay, so you guys, and for all those people out there listening, a note is it's a piece of paper that that the loan is written on. So it's saying that the borrower will promise to pay the, the, the money back to the bank and, and patch of land is the bank in this incident. If they don't, they can go after it 
after the, the borrow up because they're in what's called first position. But we won't get too much into that because that's a little bit that's a little bit more advanced. But um, typically, as when I come onto your platform at a PR, what type of inv- uh, returns would I be expecting as an investor? You know, pulling my money into a, a flip deal. So returns are anywhere from nine to eleven percent. Okay, and that's that's an annual percentage uh, yield. Yep. So that that's your annualized yield, and it's interest only. So you know it's it's taxed as interest income. So um, for for people who have retirement vehicles, that's perfect actually for retirement vehicles because of it of it being interest. And so and you can yeah you can expect anywhere from about nine to eleven. I mean we've had twelve percent loans, mind you. I mean everybody gets some people get really excited and some people raise an eyebrow, but it you know it's all risk adjusted. So if, if, if we're lending, um, let's say, in New Jersey, the risk there is higher. So the price of the lo- so the yield on the loan is going to be um, higher because it's risk adjusted. And and uh, the borrower, just you know, so people understand too, I mean, the borrower is happy to pay that rate because they get their money so quickly, they can complete their project and then they get out. So they're not really looking at the interest rate. It's not like it's 30 years. It's 12 months at the most. Right, um, right. And so they're looking at interest, they say low interest load, so low cost. And they're still making a nice profit on the other end. And so they like to work with us because they can get multiple loans a year and just keep doing what they do and they really grow their business. So we've seen borrowers who have done, you know, five, six, eight loans with us and maybe they've started with residential, like a fix and flip. And then they're like, you know what, like, I'm really growing my business. I'm going to do a small multifamily. Um, and and uh, in time, you know, we can really lend throughout the life cycle of, of that uh, that person's needs. Right, right. And that sort of, I guess, segues into, we've talked a lot about up until this point, how investors get involved and the types of returns and the position and just really what crowdfunding is. But if I'm a flipper or I'm a rehabber, you hit the nail on the head just then that I that we didn't sort of allude to prior in the program is that Patch of Land prides itself on being quick. And you, you sort of said you five, four or five days, that's incredible. But you also market yourself as a way for flippers and rehabbers and developers to scale their business because you, mm-hmm. you're you an online platform. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you're trying to make it easier for the borrower to come back again and again and again? Yeah, um, it, it, it's, been, it's been phenomenal to, to really see um, people's reactions one of the things that, that we do to make it easy is from a very basic technological perspective, you can apply online. And today, we, we, can, we only work in America, so we can't take international um, loans. Uh, we can take international money, but not international loans. But um, if you apply online, it takes five minutes. You get a letter of intent, so you get an LOI within yep. a minute because we can tell you immediately, yes, we, this is something that we could do based on parameters. Yep. And then it goes it goes into uh, to our account management team, and they will follow up with with the borrower, and then you start a document collection process and an underwriting process. So once we've underwritten property, um, we're also underwriting the borrower. So once you've been underwritten as a borrower, um, you, it's much easier the next time around to come back because basically we know you, we trust you. Uh, you're a good customer with us, and then we don't need to underwrite you anymore. You just keep bringing us new projects because you've identified more. 
And if you say, you know what, it's, it's only going to be eight months, that's fine. We're going to write a 12-month note because that's the structure. But if you're done in eight months, you're done. You say, you know what, you call you, I'm ready. Um, pay us back, and we don't charge you a penalty, uh, which, which happens sometimes. So right. I think that's another thing that brings people back. Cool. And so if I'm a rehabber and I come to you and say, hey, out of here, I, I want to borrow from you. I want to start this really great relationship that you guys are starting with all your developers. I'm, you know, I'm kind of jealous because I'm, I'm, I'm not getting involved <laughs> with all the access to capital because let's face it, as a developer, the, the biggest uphill battle is getting quick access to cash, right? So you mm-hmm, streamline mm-hmm. the process by you know, having an online platform and we can, you can apply within, you know, four or five minutes. And, and within that day, I think you said that we can get an LOI, which is incredible. But what are the type of interest rates that I would pay as a borrower? You, you, we talked about the type of returns investors would get when they, when they fund yeah. these deals. What are, the, what are the interest rates that I have to pay if I'm borrowing from you guys? Interest rate's not going to be too terribly um, different. Uh, passive land only takes 1% of a spread, maximum 2% in between what an investor gets and what a borrower pays. And that covers, you know, that keeps our lights on. And we also take uh, points up front, so one or two, one or two points up front, usually two, per, two points up front. So that, that's 2% on the total cost paid up front covers the underwriting and, and a few other things. So, yeah, you would be looking at uh, anywhere between like nine, nine and twelve percent as plus points as as a borrower, and it depends. Again, like there are certain states where there's a reason for there being more points up front because the risk the risk is a lot higher. In California, no, in California it's like eight percent and and two points, and so we're very competitive in in California because. It's very competitive here. Uh, there's a lot of money. It's a non-judicial state, so this is all really comes down to foreclosure. And and there's a 30-day there's a 30-day foreclosure rule here. So if if the borrower works to default, you know you can step in and in 30 days you own the property and we can dispose of it or finish it or or do what needs to be done. And and that's also why rates are lower because the risk. The risk is the risk of total loss is lower. Right, got it. So that's why you charge a couple of the less points and the less percentage in certain states. But say somewhere, as you said, in New Jersey, you might have a little bit higher Jersey. risk of uh, of defaulting. Is it the high risk of defaulting, or why? Why? How do you measure that risk? Yeah, so the risk is measured um, in multiple ways. So the credibility of the borrower. You know, there are certain states and there are certain cities where it's a lot harder to get things done. There, it's not, it's not as fast. There's a lot of fraud in certain places. Um, there's also a greater risk that the property in the area where that property is, like sometimes I like to think of it as like they might be a bit early in terms of like they're buying so under market value, but that market value may not be realized for several years. And, and so when they go to put it back on the market, you know, they put in, I don't know, fifty, hundred thousand dollars and they say, you know, now my property's ready, but the market isn't pricing it that way, then what happens is they're not gonna get as much money as they thought and that may affect their ability to pay back the principal that they borrowed. So, you know, that I, I think that like early areas are also higher risk uh, than than areas where like up until recently, but let's use Denver as an example. Denver's a great example. There's tons of activity 
in Denver. And so the probability of completing the project and selling it in the timeline is far more likely than in a city where there isn't as much economic activity or there aren't as many comps or all, all sorts of other things. So there are a lot of different risk factors um, that, that we actually look at um, with our technology and that technology goes hand in hand with human underwriting and experience. Awesome. Well, it sounds very much like you, you suit the flipping model to a T and that's incredible. I, I flip a few houses. Um, I have flipped a few houses, but, are you guys starting to go into the more of the commercial lending? Because I, I, you know, you spoke a little bit about how the process could work with your typical developer. They buy a few flips, and then all of a sudden they want to they build up enough equity or capital, and they want to go and buy a, uh, you know, say a commercial deal. So say ten units. How do, would you lend on a commercial deal, and do you lend on commercial deals? Started to lend on commercial in, in about the past six months. As you know, commercial is such a different animal than residential. It's more complex. There's more factors. Um, there's you know discounted cash flows to consider. We've done several multifamily projects, and we've done three or four hotels and a couple of office buildings thus far. Nothing, nothing gigantic, and uh, and we're really starting to perfect the product and the niche where. Um, where we're very good um, because we're very good. We lend on rehab that's necessary for commercial projects. Right. So, you know, not we don't do ground up construction, but we have a very good process around construction draw and what's needed in rehab. So we're finding our niche also in lending on commercial projects that need some work to, you know, to stabilize them and reposition them. Right, right. Yeah, so that, that's been an exciting development. And on the other side of that, you know, I get asked a lot when, when people find out that we're doing commercial, they say, but, you know, patch of land, but I thought you, you guys are residential. How, you know, how do you do that? And it's, well, we have a separate commercial division. Um, and also our investors, our, our individual crowd of investors, they want the diversification. I mean, it's nice. It's great to come patch land and get a one-year loan on a residential property. And, you know, we've, we've lent in about 28 states. And it's great. You, you can diversify that way. But with commercial, you can also diversify into commercial assets. So it's really, again, it's, you know, it's not financial advice, but it, it is spreading risk in, in a logical way. So it's nice to give them some variety, especially when we feel really comfortable with the expertise that, that we've brought on board to do our commercial underwriting. Fantastic. And that's that's probably key, isn't it, when your business is growing to have to be able to offer that diversification as markets change because, let's face it, uh, single-family properties are not going to always be great. What happened in 2008, we, we, we crumbled because of uh, subprime mortgages on single-family yeah. properties. So, you know, getting into the commercial space, and it sounds like you act like a little bit like what's called a bridge loan where someone might come to you and say, hey, out of here, I've got this distressed property or a distressed multifamily or a hotel. It's going to take, you know, 12 months to get it back on its feet before I can start generating you know, pop good income from it. Mm -hmm. So you guys come in and act as that sort of bridge between purchasing the deal, getting it repositioned, and then, you know, refining it out once the property is up and running in, say, 12 to 18 months' time. Is that, that sort of the space you guys are in, right? That's exactly the space. Right. Yeah, that's exactly the space. Right. And lastly, but out of here, 
crowdfunding is really in its infancy in the industry. And, and so as we surge towards, you know, a new future, how do you see the space evolving to incorporate more mainstream investors that maybe not have been able to access the type of real estate deals in the past, but now with your platform, they are able to access it. So what are you seeing for the future? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. I I think that as the awareness of this um, really asset class um, or instrument grows, you're going to see more people um, become curious about it and sign up and want to understand more and get comfortable with it. I mean, all of the marketing aside in terms of lead generation, people need to feel comfortable. I mean, it's scary to think about investing in real estate online. I mean, there's so much about that. It's, it's right. almost as scary as Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, if you don't understand and you think, hey, like, who are these people? Are they reputable? I mean, my whole job, two jobs. One is educating mm-hmm. everyone that I can, right? Yep. I'm marketing the industry. And the second one is trust building. And people need to trust us. Actually, we need to earn their trust. That's the way it is we need to earn their trust and so there's validation um there's things that are validating companies like passive land and other companies in the space that will allow people to feel more comfortable um give us a call speak to one of our relationship managers whether that's on the borrowing side or the investment side look at our track record i mean one of the nice things about operating an online business is that you you have to be transparent. It's so hard to hide anything, and you shouldn't want to. And so I've always I've, – we've built this company on transparency. Um, we make as much information available as possible, and I think that that's really going to help more people get comfortable and, and start to invest. And we've really seen a massive acceleration of, um, of individual investors and also institutional investors. We have family offices. We have – small hedge funds, private equity funds. And very recently, we announced that a a very large credit fund on the East Coast put in $250 million. It's a hedge fund, looks at passive land and says, I I will give you my money because I I have vetted you as a company. I vet your underwriting. I vet your product. I think you're going to give me homogenized, standardized, data-driven returns that should help people also feel comfortable. Not everybody wants the brain damage of like, you know, I don't know how to pick a loan. And so we're working on um, programmatic investing where you give your parameters for what you want, what you like, and then um, when a loan comes up that matches the parameters, get alerted and you can invest. Right, right. Well, it sounds very, very incredible, and you know, congratulations on getting that uh, that credit fund to get it to. What did you say, two hundred and fifty million dollars? Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. So you'll be looking for more deals. <laughs> if, if anyone's out Lots there, more deals. <laughs> if anyone's out there with any deals, get 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 in touch with that Appear because uh, they have a lot yeah. of money that they need to put into the into some cracking deals. But Adapia, you've been such a wealth of knowledge about the crowdfunding world, and you really have demystified the entire industry. I know a lot of people out there will probably be re-listening to this podcast or this episode in particular because you provided some absolutely cracking information because it's just such a hot topic right now. I get, As I said, at the beginning of the show, I get asked constantly, what is crowdfunding? Uh-huh. And you know, just, just to summarize, is, you know, crowdfunding is, is the act of pooling investors' money together to help fund 
a deal and you do on the debt side, which means that as a borrower or a developer can come to you and you can pull you know, 20, 30, 100, 100 people together to fund that particular deal and they can go and get their deal done very quickly and they can move on to the next one. And as you said, you're trying to build relationships with both investors on your platform, but as well as the borrowers and the developers so they can come to you and scale their business. And that, I think that's really important that you're helping the both sides of the platform, which is you know what essentially crowdfunding is. You're helping communities, you're helping investors get involved in deals that might not otherwise have been able to get involved in, and you're helping developers grow their business. So I think it's a fantastic, fantastic avenue. And you know for everyone out there listening, watch this space because it is going to blow up this year with the changes in mm-hmm. the Jobs Act. So thank you so much for dropping in and chatting with us. Have a great rest of your week. And we no, we'll catch up soon out of here. Yeah, thanks, Reed. I really appreciate the time. Thank you. Uh, one last question before you before you go. I forgot to sure. ask you, where do people uh, reach you to continue the conversation? Oh, sure. Yeah, so we're um, patchoflands.com, P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com. And that's our website, our Twitter handle, our, our LinkedIn. Um, we've got tons of information on the website. And if anyone wants to get in touch with me directly. Uh, it's, uh, even if you just Google Adapia, it's pretty, I, I, I'm pretty easy to find. And that's A-D-A-P-I-A. Um, all my handles are the same. And so if anyone has any questions, that's how they can get in touch. Well, fantastic. Well, there you have it. A great way of getting understanding the insight of crowdfunding industry. Uh, it provided some absolutely cracking information and the way it's changing the world here in the United States and how both investors and borrowers get involved in real estate. Now, make sure you check out all the show notes because we'll have a summary of all the links that we mentioned on today's show up on my website at rsnpropertygroup.com. Remember, uh, Adapia's name will be up there, her contact information. And if you are interested in getting involved, whether it be on the investing side or the borrowing side, please reach out to them because they have such a great program, a huge fan of what they're doing. I know each time you guys are tuning in, you're learning more about new topics and increasing your financial IQ. And I hope all of you out there are being able to take some action steps towards building long-term wealth in real estate. Now, remember, if you do like this show, the best way to give back is by jumping on iTunes and subscribing and giving the show a five-star review. It's quick. It's easy and it helps us grow the show's reach across the globe and helps investors successfully start investing in the United States. You can also find me on Facebook and Twitter by searching Reed Goosens or RSM Property Group. And I hope you have a cracking rest of your week and we'll do it all again next week. So take care, be safe and remember, happy investing. Happy investing.